0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show We're in for a real treat tonight We're about to hear the two stars of the film Casablanca Humphrey Bogart and Egmund Bergman take the script and the movie and whittle it down to just a shade under 27 minutes. The Screen Guild Theater was a radio anthology series broadcast from 1939 until 1952 during the golden age of radio. Originating on CBS radio, leading Hollywood stars performed adaptations of popular motion pictures. Now, fees that would ordinarily have been paid to the stars and studios were instead donated to the Motion Picture Relief Fund and were used for the construction and maintenance of the Motion Picture Country House. The series began with a variety format with mixed success. The program increasingly became to rely on adaptations of major motion pictures, presenting a considerable challenge to the writers who had to compress the narrative into sometimes as little as 22 minutes. The Screen Guild Theater had a long run, beginning January eighth of nineteen thirty nine, lasting for fourteen seasons and five hundred twenty seven episodes. A nineteen forty magazine article noted that the Screen Guild Theater was the only sponsored program on the air which gave all of its profits to charity. Nearly eight hundred thousand had been contributed by the summer of nineteen forty two. And so, thanks to the talented writers who are able to compress the dialogue of the film Casablanca and to the talents of the two hottest stars of the film industry, we proudly present this performance on Theater of the Mind.
2: Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. screen guild play tonight casablanca the starring players this is humphrey bogart
3: this is ingrid bergman
2: and this
4: is paul henry
2: Tonight, Lady Astor presents the Screen Guild players in Warner Brothers' exciting story of romance and intrigue in wartime Africa, Casablanca, with the original stars of the picture, Paul Henreid as Victor Laszlo, Ingrid Bergman as Ilsa Lund, and Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine. escaping the conquering Germans' entrance into Paris, Rick Blaine fled to Casablanca. There, months before the American troops landed, he was operating Rick's American Café. Casablanca swarmed with refugees, and Casablanca's more permanent foreign residents did a land office business in exit visas and letters of transit. Rick, however, avoided involvement in that dangerous business until the night our story began. He was in his office above the café... where he could watch and hear the crowd below... when his head waiter called to him. Oh, Rick. Yes, Carl? The prefect of police, Captain Reynolds, would like to speak to you.
4: I'll send him in.
2: Yes, sir. Oh, Rick, we'll see you, Captain Reynolds. Thank you,
5: Carl. Hello,
4: Rick. Hello, Louis. Why the formality?
5: Well, I have some unpleasant news for you, Ricky. I uh, you mean, you're looking for more graft. Oh, no, no, no. At least not right now. Uh, my men arrested Ugarte on his way to your roulette wheel, Ricky... Well, except to Ugarte. What's so unpleasant about that? Well, in itself, nothing. But we arrested Ugarte for murdering two German couriers and stealing their letters of transit. Ugarte did not have those letters of transit when he was arrested, and he's seen no one but you, Ricky, since the murder. What are you building up to, Louis? Arresting me? No, not immediately, at any rate. I just want to give you a word of advice. Ugarte was going to sell those letters tonight to Victor Laszlo. Laszlo?
4: Here in Casablanca?
5: Yeah. You know, Ricky, this is the first time I've ever seen you so impressed. As head of the underground movement, Laszlo's impressed half the world. Yes, it's my duty to see that he does not impress the other half. Rick, Laszlo has never reached America. He stays in Casablanca. 20,000 francs says he doesn't. We'll make it 10,000. After all, I'm only a poor, corrupt official. <laughs> now, it's a bet. Well, no one else would dare supply Laszlo with exit visas, Ricky, and since he can't leave Casablanca without them, make certain that you don't give him those
4: letters of trance. Well yeah, I... Right. Oh, you needn't deny it, Rick. I'm certain you have the letters. Even if I had those letters, Louis, you know I'd stick my neck out for nobody. That's yes, too late. But
5: I suspect, Ricky, under that cynical shell, you're a sentimentalist. Now, if you'll come downstairs with me, I'll introduce you to Major Strasser and Victor Laszlo and his charming companion, the most beautiful woman who has ever come to Casablanca. <laughs>
6: remember this, a kiss is still a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh, the fundamental things apply as time goes
3: by. Sam, Sam. Yes, boss?
4: I thought I told you never to play that song again.
3: Well, boss, you see, I didn't really... Sam's not to blame, Rick. I asked him to play it.
4: You? Ilza?
3: Yes, Rick, Ilza.
4: What are you doing in Casablanca?
3: Just traveling through with Victor Laszlo. Where is he? He'll be right back. He's looking for someone.
5: Well, I found your wandering escort, Mademoiselle Lund. Ricky, I have the honor of introducing... We're old
3: acquaintances, Captain Renault.
5: Oh, you know each other?
4: Well, then, Ricky, do you also
5: know... This
3: is Mr. Victor Laszlo.
4: Well, he has a great deal about Ricky in Casablanca. And about Victor Laszlo everywhere. I congratulate you. What for? Oh, your work. Thank you. I try. We all try. You succeed.
5: I can't get over you and Mademoiselle Lune knowing each other, Ricky. Under the
4: circumstances, it worries me. Well, it needn't.
3: Let's see, Rick. The last time we met... Was
4: it La Belle How oh,
3: nice you remembered. But, of course, that was the day the Germans marched into Paris.
4: I remember every detail. The Germans wore grey. You wore blue. I don't wish to be the one to say it dear sir. But it's late. We'll come again, Monsieur Blaine. Any time.
3: Will you say good night to Sam for me, Ricky? I will. There's still nobody in the world who can play... As time goes by, like Sam. I'll tell him.
4: That's what she said, Sam. Nobody can play as time goes by like you. Aren't you going to stop drinking and go to bed, boss? No. Play as time goes by, Sam. Oh, I don't think I
6: can remember
0: no...
4: If she can stand it, I can. Play it. I, I got a date with a memory in Paris.
6: You must remember this: a kiss is still a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time.
3: Now I really know the meaning of happiness, Richard. It's being here in Paris with you.
4: And the German army 50 miles away. Who are you, really, Ilse? What were you before you came to
3: Paris? (laughs) At the beginning, we said no questions, Richard.
4: You know, I can't help wondering why I should be so lucky. Why I should find you waiting for me to come along.
3: Why there is no other man in my life? Well, that's easy. There was. He's dead. I'm
4: sorry. I know we said no questions. I'll never ask another.
3: Richard, you must leave Paris before the Germans arrive. You're on their blacklist. Now, their
4: role of honor. Oh,
3: don't joke, Richard. You must leave.
4: No, oh, no, no, no. We must leave.
3: Yes, yes, of
4: honor, course. The train for Marseille leaves at five. Say, why don't we get married in Marseille?
3: Oh, no. Oh, that's too far ahead to plan. Hilda, <laughs> what's the matter? Nothing, darling, nothing. Hmm. It's just that I love you so much. Oh, it's a crazy world. Anything can happen. If you shouldn't get away, if something should keep us apart, wherever you are, wherever I'll be, I want you to know. Richard. Kiss me as if... as if it were the last time.
6: A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply. Boss, wake up.
4: Uh, Boss, you gotta wake up. That lady's here. And this ain't no memory in Paris. She's right I here. Are you as drunk as I am, sir? No.
3: No, he's not, Rick. I'm here. I left Victor at the hotel and came back. I'm... I have to talk to you.
4: Uh, It's funny about your voice, how it hasn't changed. I can still hear it. Richard, dear, I'll go with you any place. We'll get on a train together and we'll never stop. No,
3: please, please. I can understand how you feel.
4: You understand how I feel. How long was it we had?
3: I didn't count the days.
4: Well, I did. Every one of them. Mostly, I remember the last one. You and I were going to run away from Paris together. But you didn't meet me at the station, did you? Please, Ricky. That was a wild finish, me standing on the platform. The last train about to pull out. But you didn't show up, and Sam had to push me on the oh, train.
3: the Rick I loved in Paris would let me explain, but this Rick, looking at me with hatred, <laughs> I'll be leaving Casablanca soon. We'll never see each other again.
4: You'll see me before you go? No, Rick. Oh, yes, you will. Some night you'll lie to Laszlo and come to me.
3: No. No, you see, Victor Laszlo is my husband, and was even when I knew you in Paris. <laughs>
4: I wondered when you'd come to see me. Captain Reno and Major Strasser kept me busy for the past 24 hours. Now, there's no use fencing around. You've come about those letters of transit, haven't you? Yes, I have. You and Strasser and Reno. Seems to be the general impression in Casablanca that I have those letters.
2: Suppose we assume that you
4: have them. All right, go ahead. You must know it's very important I get out of Casablanca. Why you? More than any of the others stuck here? It's my privilege to be one of the leaders of a great movement. You know what I've been doing. You know what it means to the work, to the lives of thousands and thousands of people that I reach America and. Don't you ever wonder if what you're fighting for is worth all this? We might as well question why we breathe. If we stop breathing, we die. If we stop fighting today's enemies, the world will die. it? And it'll be out of its misery. You know, Monsieur Blaine, you sound like a man trying to convince himself of something he doesn't believe in his heart. That wasn't always your attitude. You run guns to Ethiopia... You fought against the fascists in Spain. I was well paid on both occasions. The winning side would have paid you better. Isn't it strange that you always happen to be fighting on the side of the underdog? <laughs> well, let's say that I'm a poor businessman. Are you businessmen enough to appreciate an offer of 100,000 francs for those letters? Oh, I appreciate it. But if you offered me a million francs, I wouldn't accept it. Very well, then. You have the letters of transit. You won't give them to me. But I want Ilsa to be safe. Monsieur Blaine, I ask you as a favor to use the letters to take her away from Casablanca. You love her that much? Yes, I love her that much. Oh, sorry, but it's no deal. But why? I suggest that you ask your wife. My wife? Yes.
6: And who's singing that song? Paul
4: Strasser and his Gestapo agents. They followed me here. Now don't start anything. I don't want any trouble in here that'll force Renault to close my joint. You have no objections to your band accompanying me while I sing, do you? No, go ahead. I'm neutral. One customer can sing, they can all sing. They all will sing. Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready, Mr. Laszlo. Then play it.
2: Casablanca, starring Ingrid Bergman, Humphrey Bogart, and Paul Henreid. And now the curtain rises on the second act of Casablanca, starring Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine, Ingrid Bergman as Ilsa Lund, and Paul Henreid as Victor Laszlo. By the manner in which the patrons of Rick's Cafe joined Victor Laszlo in singing the Marseillaise, Major Strasser forced Captain Renault to close Rick's place and ordered Victor Laszlo and Elsa Lund to remain in their hotel.
3: Victor, I'm frightened. Please don't go to the underground meeting tonight.
4: To tell you the truth, my dear, I'm frightened too. So shall I hide here in our hotel room or shall I carry on the best I can?
3: Whatever I would say. You'd carry on.
4: Since our friend Rick has refused to part with those letters of transit, what else am I to do?
3: Did Did Rick give you any reason?
4: He suggested I ask you. Ask me? Yes. yes sir. when I was in the concentration camp, were you lonely in Paris?
3: Yes, Victor, I was.
4: I know how it is to be lonely. I love you very much, my dear.
3: Yes. Yes, I know. Victor, whatever I do, will you believe that?
4: You don't even have to say it. I'll believe. I must get to the underground meeting now.
7: Good night, my dear.
3: Good night. Hello, Rick.
4: Well, I told you you'd be around to see me, but this is a little ahead of schedule.
3: Richard, I had to see you.
4: Also, I'm Richard again. We're back in Paris. Please. Your unexpected visit isn't connected by any chance with the letters of transit, is it?
3: Richard, you can ask any price, but you must give me those letters.
4: I went all through that with your husband. It's no deal.
3: Richard, we loved each other once. If those days meant anything at all to I you... I wouldn't
4: bring up Paris if I were you. It's poor salesman. Please,
3: please listen to me. If you knew what really happened... I wouldn't
4: believe you no matter what you told me. You'll say anything now to get what you want.
3: Richard, don't you understand? You are our last hope. If you don't help us, Victor Laszlo will die in Casablanca. I
4: it, I'm going to die in Casablanca. It's, it's just a spot for it. Now, if you... Well, well, I... I see you come prepared for anything. Give me that gun.
3: No. I tried to reason with you. I tried everything. Now, if you don't give me those letters, I'll shoot. Go ahead. Get me those letters.
4: No, they're, they're right here in my pocket. I don't have to. If you want them, you'll have to kill me to get them. If, Laszlo, if the underground means so much, you won't stop at anything. And if you don't shoot fast, I'm going to take that gun away from you. Now give it to me.
3: Oh, oh Richard. I try to stay away. I thought I... I would never see you again. That you were out of my life. If you knew what I went through the day you left Paris, how much I loved you, how much I still love you. We had been married only three weeks when Victor got word that they needed him in Prague. He was captured almost immediately and sent to a concentration camp. Then came word he was dead. I was lonely before, but then I had nothing left, not even hope, until I met you. But why didn't
4: you tell me all this in Paris?
3: Victor made me promise to keep our marriage a secret. He was afraid that if the Gestapo found out I was his wife, it would be dangerous for me and for those working with us. I kept my promise.
4: And then you got word he'd escaped?
3: Yes, a friend called, telling me that he was ill and hiding in a freight car near Paris. I didn't tell you because you wouldn't have left Paris and they would have caught you. Well, you know the
4: rest. It's still a story without an ending. What about now?
3: I'll never have the strength to go away from you again. And Laszlo? You'll help him now, won't you, Richard? Yes. He'll have his work, all the things he's been living for. All
4: except you.
3: I can't fight it anymore. I don't know what's right any longer. You'll have to think for both of us, Richard. For all of us.
4: I've already made up our minds, and I think I can arrange everything with Renault. Here's the setup, Louis. I'm selling out my place and leaving Casablanca on tonight's plane, the last plane. And I'm taking Ilza Lund with me. Ilza's Victor Laszlo's wife. Louis, I'll make a deal with you. What is it? I want to be sure that Laszlo doesn't escape this time. If you could get him on a real criminal charge, would, would that be a feather in your cap? It most certainly would. Germany, um, the sheep would be grateful. And then be at my place a half hour before the plane leaves. I'll arrange for Laszlo to be there, thinking I'll sell him the letters of transit. When I hand them to him, that'll give you the criminal grounds for making the arrest. Ricky,
5: I'll miss you. <laughs> Apparently, the only one in Casablanca that has even less scruples than I. Thanks. Oh, and, uh, by the
4: way, Louis, come for Laszlo alone. Yeah, I'm... I'm taking no chances on a double cross, even from you. Double cross? Why, Ricky... You might get ideas about slapping me in the jug for selling those letters, you know. Well, don't forget a half hour before plane time, alone. Don't worry, Ricky. This is an honor I'll share with no one. Mr. Blaine, I don't know how to thank you. There's no time for that. You won't have any trouble in Lisbon, will you? No, that's all arranged. Good. Well, here are the letters. Mr. Blaine, I... Mr. Laszlo,
5: you're under arrest on a charge of accessory to the murder of the couriers from whom those letters were stolen. Now, just a
6: minute.
4: Nobody's going to be arrested, Louis. Not for a while yet.
6: What? Well,
4: Rick, put that gun down. Have you lost your mind? Stay where you are, Louis. I wouldn't like to shoot you. But I will if you take one more step toward me. Keep your hands away from your pistol. Well, I suppose you know what you're doing, but I wonder if you realize what this means, Rick. Perfectly. In fact, Captain Renault, we'll take you along as our hostage so there won't be any trouble at the airport. There's only ten minutes till the plane leaves. We have to hurry. I'll go get the luggage aboard. Coming you, sir? No.
3: no. I'll wait here with you the Captain.
4: I'll be right back. Well, those letters of transit are in blank, Louie. You fill in the names. That'll make it even more official. Oh, you think of everything, Ricky. The names to fill in are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. Mr.
3: Mister... But why my name, Richard?
4: Because you're getting on that plane.
3: But I... What about you?
4: I'm staying here to keep Captain Renault company till the plane leaves. No,
3: no, Richard. What has happened to you last night? We last
4: said... night we said a... We said a great many things. Did you mean everything you said?
3: You know I did.
4: You said I'd have to do the thinking for all of us. Well, my thinking adds up to you getting on that plane with Victor.
3: No, but Richard...
4: I know what you're going to say, that that you belong here with me. Yes. But if you you stayed here, we'd both land in the concentration camp. Isn't that right, Louis? I'm afraid that Major Strasser would insist.
3: You're only saying this to make me go.
4: I'm I'm no good at being noble, Ilza. I'm saying it because it's right.
3: What about us?
4: We'll always have Paris. We didn't have it. We lost it. Till you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night.
3: When I said that I would never leave you.
4: Everything is in order. Are you ready, Ilsa? Aslo, there's something I'd like you to know before you leave. I know, Monsieur Rick. Ilsa has told me all I need to know about you and herself. I don't ask you to explain anything. I'm going to anyway. Might make a difference to you later. Last night, Ilsa tried everything to get those letters. When nothing else worked, she did her best to pretend that she was still in love with me. That was all over long ago. For your sake, she tried to pretend it wasn't. And I... I tried to let her pretend. We couldn't even fool ourselves. Richard. Mr. Blaine. Welcome back in the fight. This time, our sight will win. <coughs> Shall we board a plane, Ilsa?
3: Yes, Victor, I'm ready. God bless you,
4: Richard. Goodbye.
5: Well, I suppose you know this isn't going to be pleasant for either of us, Ricky.
4: I have to arrest you, of course. When the plane leaves, Louis. Sooner, I'm afraid, Ricky. Here comes Major Strasser. You better keep quiet, Louis. I'd hate to have to shoot you now.
5: Why did you ask me to come to the airport, Captain?
4: Well, I was afraid Victor Laszlo
5: might be leaving on this plane so. Thought of a double, double cross, eh, Louis? Oh, Lord, the ridiculous ideas, Captain. Possibly. Nevertheless, he's on the plane. Well,
4: why do you stand there? Why don't you stop him? Ask Monsieur Ricky. Stay where you are, Strasser. Herr Blaine, I would advise you not to interfere with an officer of the Third Reich. I'm a true neutral, Strasser. I was willing to shoot Captain Renault, and I'm willing to shoot you. But
8: you'll shoot too late.
4: Oh, nice shooting, Ricky.
5: But I'm afraid my gendarmes heard those shots. Well, till after this affair dies down, Ricky, I think you'd better disappear from Casablanca. I can arrange your transportation to a fighting French garrison in Brazzaville.
4: All right, Louis. I could use the trip, but uh, don't forget, you still owe me 10,000 francs for our bet on Laszlo's escape. Oh, well, uh, we'll need that to get to Brazzaville. We'll need
5: it. Certainly. I can be as silly a sentimentalist as you. You know,
4: Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs>
2: to Warner Brothers for Casablanca and our sincere appreciation to Ingrid Bergman, Paul Henreid and Humphrey Bogart for appearing with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players tonight.
3: It was our pleasure, Mr. Bradley. We know how these programs benefit the Motion Picture Relief Fund and we know, too, how important the relief fund is to our profession. We're happy to give our services. <laughs>
2: Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present that great farce comedy, Nothing But the Truth, starring lovely Lucille Ball and that great protector of the truth, the man who never tells lies, Frank Morgan. Humphrey Bogart will soon be seen in Warner Brothers' production, Action in the North Atlantic. Ingrid Bergman, Humphrey Bogart, and Paul Henreid can currently be seen in the Warner Brothers' picture, Casablanca we wish to thank the 200 members of the Fighting French in our audience tonight who sang the Marseillais. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Screen Guild players are presented every Monday night at this time by Lady Esther to save materials by the larger size of Lady Esther face cream. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you and good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for Inner Sanctum next on Theatre of the Mind. You're listening to Theatre of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Inner Sanctum, as Richard Widmark stars in the scary story about a man who thinks he casts a shadow of death.
7: Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Friends of the Inner Sanctum, this is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. We're having a party tonight for two of my favorite corpses. I call them Romeo and Juliet. They're newly dead, you know. <laughs> yes, she's the daughter of a famous society murderer, and he's the pride of the East Side Morgue. Oh, they're so happy together in their mausoleum built for two. And you should see the bridal casket. Shame
9: on you, Mr. Host, making fun of such a tragedy. But,
7: Mary, it was a touching ceremony. Of course, I stood up for the groom. Naturally, the poor fellow couldn't stand up for himself.
9: Now, please. (laughs) It's an occasion for tears, not for laughter.
7: That's right, Mary. Why, when the bride appeared wearing her grandmother's shroud, everyone had to be cheered up with Lipton tea.
9: Now, that's enough. I will not have Lipton's mentioned at a time like that. Lipton tea is for people who know how to enjoy life. These are the folks who really appreciate Lipton's famous brisk flavor. Yes, that word brisk, B-R-I-S-K, makes a big difference when you're sitting down to a cup of hot tea. Brisk means that Lipton tea tastes fresh and full-bodied, never flat or wishy-washy. I wish you'd try Lipton's, folks, even if you're not a regular tea drinker. Because you just don't know how good tea can be till you know how good Lipton's is.
7: Well, Mary, let's tee off into tonight's story. Mm -hmm. It's called The Shadow of Death. And it's an original radio play by that boogie-woogie man, Robert Sloan. Yes, and our star tonight is Richard Widmark, who plays the role of Howard. All set? Then turn off the lights... And let in the shadow of death On a lonely dirt road that borders the village cemetery A single car slows to a stop And parks in the moonless night Inside it, a man leans back in his seat And reaches for the hand of the girl he loves Howard Yes, dear?
10: Why did you stop here? The cemetery is right over there
8: Oh, I didn't notice.
10: You drove here last night, too. Did I? Yes.
8: (laughs) Well, you're not frightened, are you?
10: Tonight I am. You've been so strange, so far away. I, I feel as if I hardly know you.
8: Darling, you mustn't feel that way.
10: What's the matter, Howard? There's something on your mind.
8: I'm going away, Marie. Oh, no. And I'm not coming back.
10: Howard, Why?
8: Well, I don't really know if I can
10: explain it.
8: It seems so incredible, and and yet I know it must be true. What? Something I've discovered about myself. Something strange and frightening, Marie. Wherever I go, I seem to cast a shadow. A shadow of death.
10: I... I don't understand.
8: No, I didn't either at first. I thought it was just a strange coincidence... But it isn't. It's me. I bring death wherever I go.
10: Oh, Howard, you don't really believe
8: that. Well, how can I believe anything else? Haven't you noticed what happens to every living thing I have around me? No. I can't keep a pet of any kind, a cat or a dog. Even a plant dies when I have it in the house.
10: Oh, darling, that's just your imagination. You've been working too hard. You need a rest.
8: No, I'm going away, Marie. I don't want any harm to come to you. Oh.
10: Please. Nothing's going to happen to me. This is just.
11: What's the matter?
10: Nothing. I. I was just looking at the flowers in my corsage.
8: Good heavens.
11: Is that dead? You don't believe me either, do you, Doctor? Well. Let's not put it on that basis, Howard. After all, I've been trained to look for the physical causes of death, not the supernatural ones.
8: Then what do you think
11: I should do? Frankly, I'd like you to spend a few weeks away from these surroundings. Go up to the sanitarium I told you about. They'll take good care of you up there. All right, Doctor. I'll make arrangements to go tomorrow. But I know it won't do any good. You'll be surprised, Howard. Two or three weeks from now, you look back on this as a... Yes? That's strange. Those goldfish in my aquarium. They're all dead.
10: Tell me the truth, Howard. Are you comfortable here in the sanitarium? They, they don't
8: believe me. They don't believe that people die when I dream about them.
10: People die yes.
8: when Yes, you... didn't you know that? Every time I have a dream about someone, it's a sign of death. And the next morning when I wake up, I look in the obituary column and I see the name of the person I dreamt about.
10: Howard, what have they done to you here? Nothing, Nothing. only
8: they don't believe me. The, the, The dreams, I mean. I had to prove it to them this morning. And it made me feel very bad.
10: What made you feel bad?
8: The dream I had last night. I killed a man, Marie. What? I killed him in my dream. Oh! He was a good friend of mine too. we lived right across the
10: hall. Oh, Howard, please. You've got to get hold of yourself. But
8: I'm afraid, Marie. I don't want to dream anymore.
10: Oh, darling, I can't bear to see you this way.
8: What?
10: I'll get you out of here. I promise, Howard. I'll get you out of here today.
11: But, Marie, there isn't a chance of getting him out. He may have to stay in this institution for months.
10: Oh, no. Dr. Gerard, can't you see what's happening to him? He's losing his mind.
11: Well, I know he's taking a turn for the worse. That's all the more reason for keeping him here. It might be dangerous to discharge him now.
10: Then why don't you do something to help him?
11: We're doing everything we can. It's not easy. He persists in thinking he has this strange power of death. Nobody is able to convince him he's wrong.
10: What about the man across the hall? Howard said they were good friends.
11: That's another thing. They were good friends. But unfortunately, that man died this morning. Come
8: in.
11: Ah, good morning, Howard. How do you feel today?
8: Oh, much better, doctor. Much better.
11: No bad spells last night? No
8: curious moods? No, I feel fine. Almost well enough to go home. Let me look
11: at your eyes. You will let me go home again, won't you, Doctor? Yes, Art, of course, of course. You, uh haven't had any of those dreams lately, have you? No, no, not for a long time. Are you sure? Well, I
8: uh, I did have one last night. You dreamt that someone was dead? Yes, I did. But 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 I I I know it's not true. It can't be true.
11: Whom did you dream about? Marie?
8: No, doctor. I dreamt about you. That's why I know I'm wrong. You're alive, Doctor. Don't you understand? You've proven it to easy, me. Easy,
11: easy now. Howard.
8: Tell me about your dream. Well, I, I dreamt I was going home, and all the people I'd killed in my dreams were alive again. Yes, go on. Well, somehow or other, I could see my house from this window, and everything was just as it was a long time ago. The flowers were growing, the dog was in the yard. The one that was run over? Yes, everything was well again. And I was well, too. That's why I wanted to go home. But you and Marie's mother didn't want me to.
11: She was in the dream, Marie's mother?
8: Yes, I I don't know how she happened to be there, but she was. That's all right, hon. Go on. Well, I started to leave, doctor, but she held me back. She held my arms like this, and then you jumped up to ring the bell for help. But before you reached it, I was on top of you like this. I had my fingers around your throat, and I was squeezing it so hard. I could feel your windpipe bending back until you couldn't breathe anymore, let go! That's what let you me. said last night, you fool uh, You wanted me to let go! Help uh, uh, on! Until uh, your face turned uh, as blue as it is now! Uh, it was almost black before I let you go! But first, first I made sure you were dead. And then I dropped the body. Uh, you see, Doctor, my dreams do come true.
7: <laughs> well, have you had any good dreams lately? Howard has. And you know, his dreams don't need interpretation. No, they need cremation. <laughs> say, it's a lucky thing that guy works on the night shift. It'd be awful if he had daydreams, too.
9: <laughs> Good gracious, yes. His dreams not only walk, they commit murder.
7: <laughs> Mary, I was about to say that. Please leave the jokes to me. How would you like it if I talked about tea? Mm?
9: Well, for goodness sake, I listened to the story, too. And I must say, I'm glad I'm not his, um dream girl.
7: (laughs) That does it. Friends, let me tell you about Lipton tea.
9: All right, you win. But it's only because I have something important to say about Lipton's. Folks, did you know that Lipton's is the largest selling brand in the whole world? Yes, and the reason for that is Lipton's well-known brisk flavor. You know, that word brisk is the tea expert's word for tangy, full-bodied tea, for Lipton tea. Ah, Lipton's is always fresh and spirited, never flatter or wishy-washy. That's why lots of people drink it not just at mealtimes, but whenever they're taking it easy for a minute during the day. So, folks, try Lipton's and get acquainted with that brisk flavor. Well,
7: let's get back to our dream man and find out what he does in his waking moments. When we left him last, he had just done a little manual work on Dr. Gerard's windpipe. And now, as the good doctor lies comfortably on the sanitarium floor, Howard is in the process of going through his pocket.
8: Well, I'll have to have the keys to your car, doctor. I'll need them to get back home. I hope you won't mind if I hide you under this bed. may take them a little bit longer to find the body if I do. Yes, who is it? Dr. Frisbee,
12: Howard. May I come in? Well, yes. Yes, I'll open the door.
8: What is it, Doctor?
12: Well, I was looking for Dr. Gerard. I thought he was in here.
8: Oh, yes, yes, he he was a moment ago. I I, I think he went down the hall.
12: No, I just came from there. I guess he went back to his office. Oh,
8: yes, I guess he did. How are you making out, Howard? Fine, fine, Doctor,
12: fine, fine. You seem a little nervous. Your hands are shaking. Oh, well, I... I You see... Dropped your keys. I'll get them. It's all right, Howard. I wasn't going to take them away from you. But I am wondering how you happen to have any keys in your possession. Well, they're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're, they're not really mine. Uh, whose are they, Doctor Gerard's? Uh, yes, yes. He—he he left them here. I—I I mean. You mean uh, you stole them from him? No. Oh, come, Howard. You can't expect me to believe Doctor Gerard would give you any keys. Now, you'd better let me have them so I can give them back. But
13: I... I didn't... Let me
12: have them, Howard. Thank you. You won't tell him I took them, will you? No, Howard, I won't tell. But, uh, please don't
8: take them again. I'll go anyway. I'll get out onto the road and I'll get a hitch, yes, sir. I'll get away.
7: I've got to speak
8: to Marie. Going down, Mister. Yes, now, thank you, Simon. Oh, oh, here comes another one. Hey, stop! Give me a ride, will you? Give me a ride, please, Mister. Oh, he's stopping. Hey, hey, wait for me, will you, Mister? I'm coming. I'll be right there. Oh, gee, thanks, Mister. You going into town? Yes,
12: Howard, but uh, you're not,
8: Doctor Frisbee.
12: Yes, I've been watching you ever since you took those keys. I thought you'd try something like this.
8: Well, I, I had to, Doctor.
12: I understand. Better get in the car, Howard, so we can talk this thing over.
11: All right.
12: You know, it's silly to run away from our place up there. If you really want to go home, all you have to do is ask.
8: I did ask. When? This morning. Oh, wait a minute. Don't start the car. Why not? There's a truck coming. In back. Where? Oh, Howard, let go of me, Howard. What's have this card, Doctor? But when I'm finished with it, I'll return it to you.
10: Hello? Hello,
8: Mrs. Walker.
13: Who's this?
8: You remember me, don't you?
13: Howard, where are you?
8: In a telephone booth around the corner.
13: You're not in the sanitarium?
8: No, I've been discharged. Dr. Gerard said I could go.
13: You mean you're well again? Yes, I'm completely cured. Oh. Oh, I see.
8: You don't sound very happy about it, Mother. Where's Marie?
13: She's, uh, she's out on a date.
8: When will she be back?
13: Well, I, I don't know, Howard. She she didn't say. I've got to
8: see her again, Mrs. Walker. I've got to see her once more before I die.
13: Before you die?
8: Yes, I haven't much longer to live. Now, where is she?
13: Well, I uh, I, I think she said she was going to movies. You're lying. I'm not Howard. I I, I just can't be sure. But if you go to the theater, you, you might find her there.
6: You don't want me to see her, do you?
13: Uh, no, not until I've spoken to Dr. Gerard. Why? Don't you believe me? Don't you believe I'm well again? No, Dr. Gerard. Never mind what he
8: said. Mrs. Walker, you mustn't dislike me. I'm very fond of you.
13: You? You are Howard? Yes.
8: I've been thinking a lot about you lately while I was in the sanitarium. Last night I even had a dream about you.
13: Keep bringing that number, operator. I've, I've got to locate Dr. Gerard. Why
8: the hurry, Mrs. Walker?
13: Howard, how did you get in here?
8: Through the back door. Put that phone down, please. But I, Put it down, I said.
13: Yes, yes.
8: You lied to me about Marie being at the movies, Mrs. Walker.
13: I, I didn't mean to, Howard. I I told you I wasn't sure she was there.
8: Where is she? This time I've got to know.
13: Howard, how dare you? Get your hands off me.
8: I'm not in a gentle mood, Mrs. Walker. I'm fighting against time.
13: You, you've done something wrong, Howard. You've escaped from the sanitarium. No,
8: I've done more than that, Mrs. Walker. I've killed a man. Howard! Two men, three men. I, I can't remember how many it was, but... There's going to be one more.
13: Howard, you, you wouldn't kill me, would you?
8: Wouldn't I? What have you done to deserve your life? Uh, they, Let uh, it ring. But,
13: but that may be my call.
8: Your call is coming now, Mrs. Watson.
10: Howard, please. For damn it, night. Nice. Will you
8: tell me where Marie is?
10: I told you, I don't know. I don't know. Then I'll wait for her. Right here. Howard, you can't...
8: No, no, you can't. Oh. Yes, I can, Mrs. Walker. Hello? Hello, this is Dr. Frisbee
10: Sanitarium Calling. Is Mrs. Walker there?
8: I'm sorry. You have the wrong number.
10: Marie, Marie, darling Uh, What, Howard, Howard, what are you doing here?
8: I've been waiting for you to come home, darling Aren't you glad to see me?
10: Why, yes, of course I am It was such a surprise I couldn't catch my breath for a minute Where's Mother?
8: Upstairs Why?
10: Why, I just wanted to know
8: You had no other reason?
10: No Howard, why are you staring at me?
8: I'm not really staring. I'm just looking at you, darling. It's been such a long time since I've seen you. I'd almost forgotten what you were like.
10: uh, Let's go inside.
8: No, if you don't mind, darling, I'd rather go for a ride.
10: You're... You're all right, aren't you, Howard? I I mean, you're... you're completely well now.
8: Oh, can't you see I am?
10: Yes, but I...
8: Then let's not wait any longer, darling. Come on, we'll go for a ride. It's
10: getting late, Howard. Don't you think we ought to go back?
8: No, not yet, Marie. You just keep driving. These few moments we have together, maybe I'll... Marie, why are you
11: stopping here?
10: We're low on gas, dear. I, I don't want to get stuck on the highway. Oh, hasn't... Will it be? Uh, you better fill her up. All right. And uh, have you got a telephone here? Yes, I'm
8: right inside.
10: Thank you. Wait a minute, Marie.
8: Uh, what do you want with a telephone?
10: Oh, I was going to call my mother. She'll be worried about me. Oh, no,
8: she won't. She knows you're with me. <laughs> Besides, uh, she went out for a little while.
10: Well, maybe she's back by now. It won't hurt to call, will it?
8: No, I guess it won't.
10: I'll be right back, Howard. Well,
8: hurry, darling. I want to be with you as much as I can.
10: Yes, I won't be a minute. Operator, quick. Get me the police. This is an emergency. Yes, ma'am. Right away. Quarter, Sergeant Dunn speaking. Sergeant, listen carefully. I won't have time to repeat it. The murderer of Dr. John Gerard is right here in a filling station on Route 6 at the Hadley intersection. What shall I do? I can't keep him here. Does he know you're on to him? No. No, he doesn't know I read the story in a newspaper just before I got home. He was waiting there for me, and I haven't been able to get to a phone since. But don't
12: take any chances. He's a homicidal maniac. Don't even try to stall him if he wants
10: to leave. Oh. Just stay
7: where you are, and we'll be over there
10: in four minutes. Oh, no, no, that's no good. He won't let me stay here. He'll take me with him. Morning. Oh, he's calling for me now. Morning. Just a moment, Howard. What can I do, Sergeant? What can I do? Then give me a description of the car, quick. It, it's a dark blue sedan. License number 468J3. We've been going east on Route 6. Oh, I can't talk anymore. He's coming. Morning,
8: for heaven's sake, what kept you so long?
10: Oh, I had a hard time getting the number. The... There was something wrong with the lines.
8: But you were talking to somebody.
10: Yes, I, I was speaking to Mother.
8: You were speaking to your mother?
10: Yes. She told me not to stay out too late. You're
8: lying, Marie.
10: No, I'm not, Howard.
8: I talked to her. You talked to the police. That's why you lied to no. me. No. You did. Your mother's dead. Howard. I know, because I killed her. No. Be quiet. Get back into the car. You're coming with no. me. No.
10: No, Howard you're hurting my eyes. Get back don't... in the car hey, you leave her alone
8: Keep out of this, you fool Leave her alone I told you to keep out of this Oh, I know Hey,
10: put down that wrench now. put
8: it down Oh, I oh, don't oh, 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 could you Never mind, get into the car
10: Howard, why are you stopping here?
8: Don't you know where we are, Marie? This is the cemetery.
10: Where we stopped before.
8: Yes. I like it here. It's so quiet and peaceful among the dead. Let's walk through the ground.
10: Howard, please.
8: Why not, Marie? We're among friends. So many of our loved ones are buried here. It's nice to be near them. Come on, Marie.
10: All right, Howard. All right, Howard.
8: You know, darling... We haven't much more time together. The shadow of death has fallen across our path.
10: You said something like that before, but... You never told me why.
8: I'm being selfish, Marie. I know I have to die, and... I want you to come with me.
10: Why do you have to die, Howard?
8: Because I... I haven't been true to myself, darling... I haven't been true to this power I have.
10: The power of death?
8: Yes. I've helped it along sometimes. Like that dream I had about my friend in the sanitarium. Like the flowers in my garden. Like those fish of Dr. Gerard's.
10: You killed them?
8: Yes. I knew they were going to die. But I shouldn't have helped them. That's why I'm being punished.
10: But Howard... Why are you punishing me? I
8: don't want to die alone, Marie. We've been away from each other so much, darling. I I want us to be together from now on. Oh, but... Don't he... be afraid, darling. I'll be gentle, Marie. So gentle.
10: But you're making a mistake, Howard. No. You are. You've forgotten what you've done. You can't kill me, darling. Why not? Heavens, Howard, don't you remember? Don't you remember that day at the sanitarium? You said you dreamt about me.
8: No. No, I couldn't have.
10: Yes, you did. Didn't they tell you what happened? No. Your dream. Your dream, it was true. That's why you can't kill me now.
0: Marie, you. You mean.
10: Yes, Howard. I'm dead I I can't believe it Oh, you must believe it Here, here, look at this tombstone My grave is right here No Read what it says Read the name on it
8: It's your name, Marie Your name Marie Walker
10: Yes Then
8: Then you really are dead
10: I told you I was, Howard. The shadow of death passed over me.
8: Then let it pass over me.
10: Hey, cut him, Sam. Cut
12: him the first shot. Keep out of the way, miss. He may not be dead yet.
10: No, I... I'm
12: sure he's dead. Well, you certainly had a close call. took us all this time to locate your car. finally spotted it on the road. You all right?
10: Yes, I'm all right. (laughs) The name of my grandmother's Tombstone saved me. How's that? Oh, it doesn't matter.
12: Say, that's funny. What? This guy was shot through the shoulder. My bullet wounds weren't serious enough to kill him. What do you mean? Well, I know it sounds crazy, but my shots didn't kill him. He was dead before I hit him.
7: What a shame. Wasting two perfectly good bullets on a guy that was dead all the time. Well, at least they won't have to go far to bury him. Here's one villain who died practically in the middle of his own plot. (laughs) Isn't it funny how many of our stories seem to take place in cemeteries? You know, Mary, I think you ought to open up a concession in the cemetery... And you know what you could sell?
9: Mm-hmm. Don't say it, don't you dare. You know very well that the place to buy Lipton tea is and always will be your neighborhood grocery store. And folks, that reminds me, you'll find it wiser to buy Lipton's in the larger, more economical size packages. That way you not only save money, but you also make sure that you won't run short on a beverage that's really a household necessity. brisk flavored Lipton tea. <laughs>
7: Before I put the skeletons back in their closets, I'd like to give you a parting word of advice. A body should never be left alone at the morgue at night. After all, it might become (laughs) slab-happy. Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Whistling Legs by Roman MacDougald. Yes, and let me tell you about next week's Inner Sanctum story. Directed by Hyman Brown... And brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. You know, usually our stories are about people who live six feet under the ground. But for next week, we've dug a lot deeper. In fact, it takes place in China. (laughs) And as a special added attraction, we've unearthed a new kind of character for you. Unearthed is right. This guy's been dead for 20 centuries. And now it's time to close the squeaking door, so good night. Pleasant (laughs) dreams.
9: And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery.
11: This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Fiverr McGee and Molly, followed by Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.